91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. This is a pretty exciting one. My original plan was that we were just going to do this episode in only six words, but then <laughs> we booked a guest that we need more than six words, at least 66 words, I would imagine. We've got <laughs> podcasting king, comedy legend, Paul Shear is here with us today. Thank you for reading the way that I always tell people to introduce me. <laughs> yeah, no we had very strict instructions it. on how to introduce yeah, you. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate <laughs> it. And, and now, you know, because I am a podcast king, you guys are, uh, you know, I'm going to crown you uh, knights, whatever you want. Sure. You give yourself your own title. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, just so you know that you are uh, welcome here. I'm not greedy. I'll take a lordship like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it. It's done. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, I'm so excited to be here. I'm such a Weird Al fan, but I'm also a fan of this show. <laughs> oh, man. We've talked in the past a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to get into this. I don't want to I don't want to jump anything. Just want you to know that I'm thrilled to be. Thank here. you so uh, much. Appreciate that so much. Yeah. We gave you the difficult decision of like, here's the songs that haven't been claimed yet for even worse. Um, and you pretty much instantaneously were, were like six six words long, please. That is the yeah. one I'm interested in. I was so happy that you picked this song because honestly, for me, this is like, I, it feels to me like a dark horse candidate on this record and I didn't think anyone was going to care about it. So yeah, like what made you, what drew you to this this song? Well, look, I'm going to come in, uh, you know, I'm going to come in strong right away <laughs> and say, I believe that this is the perfect synthesis of everything that Weird Al does because a lot of his songs obviously are like kind of these bold parodies and then he has his own side songs that are kind of these fun you know from Harvey the Wonder Hamster yeah. these like kind of uniquely weird fun songs but I kind of feel like this song even though it's a cover of uh George Harrison's I Got My Mind Set on You mm. it is doing everything that he does. It's not only a parody of this song, but it's commenting on, I think, pop music yeah. in general, right? And it really is in many ways, like, I'm not going to say it's an indictment of the pop music industry, but I do feel like it is the one of the more pointed parodies Absolutely. that he has done. Absolutely. And it has this feeling of being a little bit weirder and... Like it still has the weird, goofy silliness to it. Yeah. So I feel like it hits every 
bracket kind of perfectly. And I think the best part about this is in the like in the bigger sense, he's parodying George Harrison, who I would argue <laughs> is a great songwriter. Possibly and, one of the and, best songwriters of all time. <laughs> yeah. And so like for him to be commenting on this with him, it almost feels like a safer way to do it. Like it would feel mean if he was going after uh, a one hit wonder in a way, right? Right. Like, like there's a safety in going like, okay, we we're parodying one of the greatest songwriters yeah. and I can kind of have this point of view. Cause I do think that that's one of the things that weird Al is so good at, which is like not being mean. Yeah. Well, yeah. right. So it's two yeah. things though, because he's parodying George Harrison, but George Harrison didn't write this song. This is a cover oh, song from George Harrison from the sixties. Uh, the original oh, I didn't song, even know yeah, that. the original song was by a guy named James Ray, and that was something that we've been talking about with this particular album. Is that with the exception of Fat, every parody on this album is a cover song, and well, and how that has to be like as much as we give credit to Weird Al as as doing parody songs as being a satirist. I think the the thing that he's best at that he doesn't get credit for is actually being a commentator of pop culture at that moment. And I think that there's not an accident yeah. that he chose all covers that were like big hits to kind of make a statement on how like completely replicatable music has become and how like, devoid we are of new ideas. <laughs> exactly. And well, because it's really interesting because I just sorry to no, yeah. I'll just say one. When I was a kid, I was growing up at the same time that this George Harrison album came out. I had it on vinyl. Yeah. And that was the video that played on MTV that I love to watch because it was like him in a room and there was a jukebox. And there there was like, I, I, if I believe, and now this is where I should have done all my research, but no, I think yeah. there was a funny version of the video and then there was a straight version. You're exactly video, right. right. It's so funny. And the funny version with him in the house with the stuff, I this blew my mind because I never saw this video. That video apparently was directly inspired by Evil Dead 2 which had wow. just come out and in he's sitting in a house and all of the appliances, the books are flying off the shelves and the cuckoo clock is yelling at him. And it is directly, I mean, if as if George Harrison couldn't be cooler, that blew my mind that's, to see that for this. So that's two well, music videos now that I know of that and then were directly more straight inspired. One of like these two kids at an arcade, uh, just like singing right. a song to each other, like a love song vibe. Yeah. It's so interesting because again, it's George Harrison, yeah. Beatles, but in the MTV generation, so I'm coming in, even, I know the Beatles at this point, right? But I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, I was a huge Beatles fan as a child. <laughs> I, I knew them, right? But I was a huge fan of this song. It was on MTV. Yeah. It felt cool. And it's interesting to be like, that's the song that's representative of that. And that album has kind of a fuck you vibe, the George Harrison album. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, there's an energy to it, just the way he's on the cover with the sunglasses and the wave yeah. behind him. You can just it's name so... me a cloud nine. Like, there's something yes. really snarky about that. It's true. It's true, yeah. <laughs> and I will say that just in my experience with George Harrison, I worked with the George, Har uh, George Harrison's family on this new video that was just released a couple months ago. They made a video for oh, yes, I remember um, All Things Must Pass. That's right, yeah. Right? And it was really interesting talking to his family because his family was like, oh, George was very funny. And what he really didn't want to do uh, was make comments on, like he didn't want to stand too firmly in a political space. Like he wanted to kind of like action speak louder than words type of thing. Like he didn't want to beat you over the head with it. Yeah. And I think that was like, and so part of the 
the issue with this video and, and trying to get this thing off the ground was how do we do something that is in the vibe of George Harrison that feels like it's not preachy, mm. but it feels like it's fun. It feels like it's engaging. It's innovative. It's different. Like, how do we embrace that? And, and again, it's interesting to see George Harrison, somebody who's gone through everything, even in the MTV generation going, okay, I'm going to make something that's like evil dead. I'm yeah. going to also make something that's a straight love song. Like, and, and also at the end of it, one of the greatest songwriters known for all these amazing original songs, getting his probably biggest hit of that time on an old, you know, an, an old, old cover. Uh, yeah. Old, like a deep cover. cut cover too. It's cut, not even and... like he's doing like an established beloved song. I, my uncles, my uncles are in a wedding cover band out up here in Philly. That is like one of the most like well-respected Philly cover bands. And I did a, a round of like, Weird Al songs. I'll, I'll name the song. You tell me what the Weird Al lyric change was type game with them on their <laughs> right. podcast. And they didn't know that this was a cover. And these are like dudes whose entire career is like meticulously like how George Harrison well, slipped under the radar with this is amazing to me. Well, it's amazing that like, there are these things. And I think we're getting more and more aware. I mean, the Internet has made us so much smarter and yeah. dumber at the same time yeah. because like you used to be able to be like if you found out that information you were the keeper of it like now you hit a couple <laughs> hyperlinks and you're there you know and like um but there is something about like i the the joke i always say is i didn't know that under the boardwalk was not a song that Bruce Willis wrote because my <laughs> first introduction to it was Bruce Willis's Return of Bruno album. Yeah, great and album. And I was like, oh, this is <laughs> this is his song. I did not realize that entire album was all covers. <laughs> and again, I'm a kid. I'm just like, oh, this is cool. And it's how like, you what can't this guy do? <laughs> I, I, I was like, hey, he's doing those Bartles and James commercials. This is great. Yeah. But you know, it's like, did you ever? I, I reference this a lot, uh, but there was this moment on Twitter, and not that Twitter is a defining moment of anything, but this is before Twitter had gone down the, the toilet. <laughs> I'm still on it, but yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I can, yeah, uh, yeah. But there was this moment where Paul McCartney was playing with Kanye West. So again, oh. take me out. Like, let's go back yeah, to when yeah, that yeah. was. I fun. remember this. And 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 people were like, oh my God, who is this guy? with Kanye yeah oh Kanye's always finding these yeah cool Kanye guys breaking new perform. talent yeah <laughs> yeah and it was like it's amazing how quickly that goes I mean I remember there was a Billy Crystal joke on his stand-up album where his daughter was like wait you mean Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings you know and it's like there are these these things that you that you know I watch my kids laughing at bits and jokes in these animated movies that they're watching they're eight and six and it's like oh that's a callback like my son loves this uh cartoon called like it's about like a rabbit adventurer it's straight up indiana jones like almost <laughs> just a rip of indiana jones he yeah. dresses like indiana jones and and he loves it so much and i took him to see indiana jones i think he did enjoy indiana jones but it was at the same time it's like he doesn't like he's watching a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're kind of talking about that here. This idea of like exactly. how this, you know, how our world kind of gets repurposed. Mm -hmm. It's like the idea of history repeats itself, but so does music and pop culture. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and to to get even more interest like the idea of what made Al drawn to this, there's a couple of really interesting things. One is that according to what I read at this point, so the important thing for this stat is we have to ignore wings, okay? Yes. But if we're yes, ignoring okay. wings, this song, at the time this came out, George and uh, Paul and John were all tied for having two number one singles in America solo. 
Okay. And this wow. was the song that moved George above those other two. Wow. This was his third number one as a solo artist. It was his last number one as a solo artist, but this pushed him above those two as solo acts. And just to go one other interesting point, the original version, the 1962 version of this track had more words. George, they actually reduced <laughs> wow. the amount of lyrics on the song. That's amazing. So if there's anything that Al is pointing at here and, and poking fun of, because again, there's something, it's the idea that this is also, this will come up later for Al. Like, you know, we, we try not to, we like to look at it in the moments that this song was recorded and think of right. it chronologically. But this is the first song that gets released by Al that is directly, the joke is on the song he's parodying. He'll do it later with Smells Like Nirvana and he'll do it with right. like Lady Gaga's Perform yes. This Way. Perform like he'll, he'll cover certain songs where he'll talk about the person. We've talked before on this show, very early on, he did a song called It's Still Billy Joel to Me. Yes, he, I remember yeah, that. He makes fun of Billy Joel and apparently young Weird Al, when it came time to release something, he didn't, he couldn't do it. It made him too <laughs> uncomfortable to release something that was that pointedly mean. Um, but this is the first, and this is like, you know, I guess you could debate how mean it is. It's a little mean. It's it's definitely. I don't think it's. I I don't think it's mean to George Harrison. Yeah. I think it's more mean to what is pop culturally yeah. like. Like like we talked about this idea that George Harrison, you know, released this album, and he definitely knew this was going to be the hit, right? Because yeah. he made two videos for oh, it. Oh yeah. And there's something about like that that hit factory world of like the that you know back if we go back to like when I like the, that, when that moment of like Avril Lavigne and all these people mm. like, uh, was it, uh, Ashley Simpson, people were just pooping out yeah. <laughs> number one hits. It's like, there is something here. Like, I, like I remember rivers Cuomo is like, Oh yeah, I can write a hit song. Every song I write could be a hit song. Yes. It, there's a chord progression. There's a thing. Yeah. There's a formula to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that that's, I mean, and I, that's why I don't feel like it's mean to George Harrison. I feel like it's, it is talking about like, why is this a hit? Sure. Why is that the one that's going out there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, the lyrics are very clever as well at certain parts. Yeah. Like the part oh, yeah. that makes me laugh the most is honestly, it's the last verse of the song before the chorus kicks back in. But he says, the song's got nothing to say. I'm recording it anyway. But I know if I put my mind to it, I can find a good rhyme here. It's the only <laughs> part of the song that doesn't rhyme. Yeah. It's I like, <laughs> love that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is like, I do feel like that's that fun of Weird Al, which is he is, in my dealings with him, one of the nicest and funniest people, but also he is one of the people that keeps up with comedy. Yeah. yeah. Like he's not just sitting in a house totally checked out of something. And I think that like when you're surrounding yourself with good comedy like he achieves that and i mean look we've seen it with the movie too like he he's not an like it would be very easy for him to be like a dr demento type of figure now like oh yes he made those albums i think it's a lot harder to do what he does now because what are hit songs yeah like it's so niche everything is niche it's like it doesn't it it's like it's a hit song to you but i don't know that song like what are the songs that we're all singing it's like so maybe that's like one a year in a way like yeah. that's the song of the summer it's like you can't do an album oh anymore. no there's a reason yeah he pivoted away from albums because at a certain point he's like i can't make something by the time he's done making the parody it's gone well it's, yeah. it's out of the, the the culture yeah we've even talked about i wouldn't i don't even think that so much i mean i think you're right he stays up to date with what's happening in comedy and he shifts and moves with that but 
the thing that I've been pulling away from, and I know Matt and I have talked about this before, watching these old Al TV episodes, especially the ones from like 84, 85, I think that Al indirectly is one of the biggest influences on what became like your guys brand of comedy later on down the line. 100%. Like you watch those first Al TVs, those are those are yeah. those are state sketches. They're one They were <laughs> that like the dubbing I so I used to do a thing with my dad. My my parents are divorced and every Friday my dad would pick me up and one of the things I would you know go to his house for the weekend. And one of the things I would always try to do, I'd work up to this all week, was to make a radio show, yeah. right, uh, for the car ride to my dad's house, which is only about like thirty minutes away. Yeah, and it was it was basically using those same Al techniques, taking like clips of interviews from Letterman or whatever, and like reasking questions and making it funny. It was so hard to do back then because I'm like on a tape deck, yeah. or whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yes, uh, I mean Weird Al. You know, I was going to say this, knowing I was coming on here. It, was my introduction to comedy was my introduction to I think having a point of view in comedy like there's so many there's so few things as a kid or at least when I was a kid growing up that I could connect to and I feel like what was presented to me at my time was Bill Cosby (laughs) Smothers Brothers and that was my dad like loved Smothers Brothers but I remember really enjoying those albums and then Weird Al like those are my first kind of like you know, and then stand, you know, things started to creep in. But like as a young kid where you couldn't really see like dirty, like Eddie Murphy came in, Billy Crystal, yeah. you, know, you, know, uh, you know, all these other people that I love, Steve Martin. But that was a little bit older. Like my intro, my real introduction were these voices. And each one of them, Smothers Brothers are a perfect example of that, too, of like really incisive takedown of society, uh, you know, and it's 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 interesting to see that Weird Al like kind of walk this mainstream line. But. I'm so impressed at what he did because I also remember he was a hit, but then everyone, the, the ripoff artists oh, yeah. were, oh you God. know, and it's like, I mean, and the bad example is I'm sure a lot of people will come down on me for this, but I'll say it anyway. It's mad magazine versus cracked. It's right. like, you know, <laughs> mad magazine, I think came from a much more, uh, comedy forward thing. And crack came from more of like, uh, it's just weird and whatever, yeah, and, you yeah, know, and there were totally. things I liked about both. I got them both all the time, but mad magazine was, when you look at it, people talk about Mad Magazine. They go, "Oh, I remember that uh, that issue of Cracked." <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I think yeah. Cracked really found its footing more as a website when it, like, when it I, dug in. I it totally too, agree. Yeah. yeah, like when they really dug their heels into being website content, they they were they really established they're themselves. Like alt, they're like a, a a companion to the Onion, or like, mm-hmm. or kind of more what the Onion used to do. And it's like, yeah, I'm all for Cracked now. Absolutely, yeah. It's, yeah. it's but I it's funny because I literally today was having a conversation. Uh, with another guy that I podcast with who had no clue who Tom Lear was. And I was like explaining to him in detail who Tom Lear was. And he's like, why do you know all of this? And it's like, when you love someone like Weird Al, you do all of the research of all of the people who were like definitive influences. And the stuff that we're talking about right now with the Al TV and the dubbing stuff, like Al figured out a way to do Dickie Goodman's bit in a video format and absolutely improved on what Dickie Goodman used to do. Like. Well, it's like, it, 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 what I think is so funny too is, you know, we're talking about this era where MTV was the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oddly, like, Al does not fit into that. Like, you know, but he kind of does. And I think the thing that people forget about MTV, because I think it gets like tossed around, there's like, people always say, like, oh, it's Capra esque. And what, then I think when people say it's Capra esque, they go, it, it's schmaltzy 
And that's not Frank Capra. It's mm. gotten like abused. And people go, oh, it's MTV. And they go, that's Michael Bay. It's like, that's not all MTV was. I mean, it was like Headbangers Ball. It made room for that. It made room for like Yo! MTV Raps, yep. which was very different than what was going on at like the TRL level. And Weird Al fit in there. And I think it was like there was this thing that MTV had, which is like, we accept all weird, fun, cool things. Yeah. And to be like, oh, he's on at the same time, like the height of like that music is like coming alive or you could watch a video for Weird Al. Like uh, that would be as exciting as watching Michael Jackson's newest video. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I know I've now referenced like four people that have all been canceled. This is something we have to deal with on this show for <laughs> yeah. sure. That's just life and comedy, right? Um, yeah, no, you're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, MTV definitely does not get. Uh, enough appreciation nowadays for how important or even a show like 120 minutes which was such a huge yeah. part of like alternative music getting played to a wide audience ar arguably for the first time ever yeah um and yeah putting al tv in the middle of that his bizarre uh form of sketch comedy which also at that point so many people had never seen anything like that on a television in their lives the weird interviews and just the b random sketches fake commercials for products that don't exist all that stuff was so so wild. I mean, and UHF was the perfect distillation of all exactly. of that. You know, yeah, and, that, yeah, yeah. and and you, I, you know, I think when people talk about sketch movies, that's often forgotten about totally. because it's like a Weird Al movie. But Weird Al was doing full sketch comedy, totally. and and it's the reason why at the end of the day, like you'll see him on Mr. Show, you'll see him referenced in in a way that is never. I don't know. I think that number one, he laughs at himself, so he'll put himself in different things. Yeah. But also, people want to put him in things. Yeah. Like he, he, you know, and I think that that's really, you know, Naked Gun is a perfect example. Yes. Like he, like he is, he is, I just think it's rare to see somebody have such a sense of humor about themselves who is also very funny. And it's like, well, what we're using you as a bit, but he also knows that he's a bit. Yeah. Like he also knows, like, what he is doing is that, like, it, it's a very interesting thing. And it's uh, going to his show a couple months ago here in LA. I was like, it was amazing to, to see the audience there yeah. and, and what people liked. And, you know, this is a, that was a weird tour, not a weird tour. It was a, all the B sides, all the yeah. stuff, all, all, all the, the original yeah. material. Yeah. I saw the New York version of the show as well, but it yeah. is amazing and wonderful now to see, right. The incredible age range of everything from the littlest kids to people older than us. Like it is, is amazing to see how much he has held on to people's And my hearts. kids still laugh. My, I yeah. play these songs for my kids and they laugh. And it's about it. And it, but I will say that, and I know, sorry to get way off track. <laughs> no, that's what this like, show's about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, there is something really great about, there's a different weird owl for different people. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like in there. And, and that's what I think is interesting. My, my kids will like certain things, but then they won't like the ones that maybe are a little more intricate. Like, they're going to like fat. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, I get what fat is. They're going to get eat it. Cause I get like, but then I try to play them like Mr. Frump and the iron lung. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I, that one's kind of like going over their head. Yeah. I feel it going over their head, you know, but I'm like, Oh, but that should be right in your wheelhouse. Cause it's so silly. It's just, it's interesting to see like, like he can bring you in in different levels. And I think that the only benefit that I had as a kid and probably that you both had too, was the top like you hear these songs all the time you're in your parents car you're you're in the grocery store and so then when you hear the funny version of it yeah. it automatically clicked like my yeah. kids have no connection to 
you know, uh, like when I play them taco grande, like they don't, like, you know, they're not, yeah. they don't, they don't go, Oh, well, right. I remember that artist. That, yeah. You know, uh, that song know, has, that has really that been lost to time. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, so there's two things that you've kind of spawned in my head while, while saying that. And like, one thing is that I have to give Al credit. I know that there is this cliche that people go through in like middle school and high school where they know that they're like the weird nerdy kid and they have this like brief period of time where they're trying desperately to not be that kid. They want to like right. fit in. And I never had that scenario. And I think it was because I just, Al made me feel like, no, I'm all right. These are, these are the people like I'm fine as I am. I am daring to be stupid right now or whatever. But you've also acknowledged something that I, I didn't really, th- I just finished reading one of the uh, many Mr. Rogers uh, biographies. And they talk about how like, Mr. Rogers always got very frustrated at the way that he was parodied in pop culture because it was always so like overtly mean or it was this huge juxtaposition right. of his character. Al, when I try to think about it, Al, if you see even like on a kid's cartoon, if they're doing like a pastiche of Weird Al as a separate character, it's always so much with love versus like, I remember King of the Hill, there was Broccoli Head that was like clearly a parody on Carrot Top that was like a little bit more mean-spirited at like, like, oh, he just shows up and pulled, like, I think every person who has succeeded in comedy has such a deep down love and respect for what Al has successfully done for 40 plus years that there's no way to be mean about it if you're going to make a reference to him now. Yeah, you know, it, it, like we can kind of be like this dog eat dog world sometimes in comedy. It's like, well, you sold out or you did this or you did that. And and I think that like part of it is staying power. And I'm always impressed. And I try for myself to always be watching whatever is new, right? Yeah. Because the minute you I had a meeting one time with a very famous comedy writer and director, mm-hmm. legend, <laughs> and still I, I'm going to tell this story and still think of him as a legend. Um, but we were talking about this idea. I said, oh, it would be interesting if it was like a, like a father and son dynamic here. You know, it's like the, the son doesn't want to follow in the father's footsteps. And he's like, nope, doesn't work. You can never do comedy about fathers and sons. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he was like, no, it's just not. It's not. It just, no. Interesting. And, and I, and, and. I think that that's a completely wrong, (laughs) but more to the point, like, oh, you have a rule for what can happen and what can't happen. And then, and I think what we've, what we've seen from all sketch, like, you know, if you go, everything's always morphing. It's like what Tim and Eric did on adult swim Mm. that then begot like something like Eric Andre, like those things are so wild, but also like, oh, a little bit to jackass. And I think that like human giant came up at the same time as, Tim and Eric, and we were doing something different in a sketch space that was not really done, you know, like, and like, I think it's always about what hasn't been done. How can we kind of bring this in? How can we kind of break a format? Like, how can we make something familiar and different? Yeah. And Al's done something really interesting, which is like, well, I mean, that's what it is. His whole brand of comedy is familiar, but different, right? right. It's like, oh, it, it may be in the same lane. But again, I think he's always kind of branching out. I think, you know, to me, though, where he's his best is when it's not geared towards kids. Like Al TV on MTV was a great comedy show. Yeah. I think the Weird Al show, which was more of a Saturday morning cartoon show, mm-hmm. 
felt to me a little more neutered. There were yeah. those segments in there totally. that were uh, fun and great, and he's. I'm not slamming. No, it, yeah, 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 but I, I, but I prefer, I prefer the more edgy. Al, yeah, when I he's guess, when he's playing know. in like an '80s PG and '90s PG thirteen territory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, totally. uh, it, it is, it is wild to to think about all that stuff because you're right. When you, I use Scream as like a perfect example of this, but like once you break a format, once you expose a format for what it is it becomes impossible for anyone else to put that format back together ever again. Like, right. I genuinely don't think we will ever get a straightforward slasher film like the way that they were being pumped out in the 80s because once Scream came around and pointed out every little, like, nuance and trope, it it just, it both was the best film of that genre and also murdered that genre simultaneously. And I think you see that when you do these, a, a show-like community really made it hard for any sitcom to realistically do a bottle episode again or do any of these tropes that like we took for granted until the show actively was calling it out in the dialogue. But then I go, this is, and and I, I agree with you on one hand, but yeah. I'm also going to f- push back and say, I think who that affects more than anyone are the comedy writers yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because people still want to see it. Like, and I, and, and, and a perfect example is like what just happened this last month which is Plain and Megan. Plain and Megan are <laughs> two of the most straightforward. <laughs> like they're they are like we're unabashedly yep. doing child's play. Like and and we're amping it, but it's it is just to the bone. Like it's not ironic. It's yeah. like we're just there are funny moments yeah. in it, but not like it's not meta. Yeah. And then Plain the same way. And I mean that that's why I love Jerry Butler. But uh, <laughs> but I mean. But that, and I think that like John Wick works that way too. It's like we want to like these things work totally. Because we want to see them, and I think that like the modern day sitcom has gotten completely screwed up because the thing that we liked about them were like yes, they were funny. Now they're like joke machines. Like they're not like real people interacting. They're just basically like I feel like they're guns just being loaded and fired, <laughs> yeah, loaded yeah, yeah, yeah. and fired. And it's like you know when you go back to like. I mean, again, I'm dating myself, but like Taxi or Seinfeld mm-hmm. or Friends or, you know, Cheers, there was, it was a show that just happened to be uh, multicam. Multicam didn't have this idea, but then we get like so caught up in like, well, we need to make it like this and this and this. And you almost start to, you start to talk yourself out of like what people want to see, which is just, is it funny? Is it good? Then let, like, we like formula. We like, you know, it's not saying like, I think you can, st- uh, all this to say, I still think you can be inventive and be formulaic within the at formula. The same time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like I yeah. mean, you know, and I, and I think that like, and sometimes people get too smart for that, but it's so fucking fulfilling yeah. to watch. It is. <laughs> it, like, it really like, is. I, Megan blew my mind how well received that was within the horror world because I'm like, yeah. this is literally the plot of the Child's Play remake that everybody shat on. <laughs> like, like yes. for me, it's the Almost same, the same. Movie. It's a PG-13 <laughs> version of it, which is, I guess, yeah. maybe that helped a little bit. But I also did think, and now, <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about Megan. Um, the... Uh, uh, <laughs> how I do feel like people in the horror world especially felt like they were due for something lighter. Like horror has gotten yes. so heavy over yes. the last well, few years. Well, become that A24 version of it where it's like, we got, it's got to be a drama. Yeah. And like, and a horror and movies, Wong, right? Horror, malignant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, horror I've movies where of, people walk out of the theater going, hmm, interesting, instead of just yeah. like the jump scare, fun, malignant, barbarian, all these that have come out recently yeah. are very no, old school throwbacks. Right. 
I've said a million times that like hereditary, hereditary might be one of the best made horror movies that I've ever seen. But you give me an option between that or Sleepaway Camp, I'm putting on Sleepaway Camp every single time because I'm (laughs) gonna feel good after Sleepaway Camp. Hereditary (laughs) messed me up, and like I don't want to watch movies to like I'll watch a drama, but I like there is something fun about. I remember going with my wife to go see this Kate Hudson horror movie called Skeleton Key. I don't remember anything about it more than there's a couple of jump scares in it. And I was like, and that's what you kind of want to do sometimes. It's like, I just want to see this. And I feel like action movies and, yeah. and we've gotten away from that, but I think that sometimes you can go to it and what to bring it all the way back to Al yeah. is he's kind of stayed that path. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what I do. This is what is funny. And you'll get on board or you won't, but it's like, he, through the only thing that he's changed is the production of albums that he has put out yeah and in a world in which albums don't sell like well that yeah, just exactly. make a single and yeah. like it's cheaper and you probably will be better and i'll support him in any which way i can yeah i just feel like but that's to me like i think a sign of a good artist too it's like well the songs are different yeah. like he doesn't have yeah. to change it up he doesn't have to be cool he doesn't have to be hip and that and going back to what he was on mtv he didn't change up his energy for MTV. It's like, and and in a weird way, like he wasn't nerdy, if that makes sense. Like a cool person or, you know, quote unquote, cool person could like <laughs> Weird Al, like, or you wouldn't be made fun of for liking Weird Al, I think as a kid. Uh, you know, like you could buy, like I remember the first two cassettes I ever had was Weird Al Yankovic in 3D and Huey Lewis Sports. <laughs> yeah. And there was really no difference between it, like, Oh, yes, those are two things that are good. Sure, yeah. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Come, baby, come, baby, baby, come, 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 baby, come, baby, 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 ba
Yeah, we've said before, there's like for a lot of people, there was this little window of like from, you know, like maybe 10 to 12 or 13 or so where Al was cool. And then maybe when you get into high school, suddenly there's that moment where you feel like, ooh, should I be listening to, should I be moving right. to Headbangers Ball over yeah. on MTV? Is that the cooler thing to do? But then a lot of people then get older and circle back and be like, no, wait, why did I ever think that I didn't like this? Yeah. <laughs> this I is still, great. I still think one of the best questions we can ask ourselves on this show that we'll never have an answer to, but like Paul bringing up in 3d and Huey Lewis sports and like what jumps to my mind is that we learned on this show that Al really wanted to release midnight star as the lead single on in 3d. He thought yeah. that that was the hit wow. and it's like it, midnight star would fit at home on Huey Lewis sports from like a musical standpoint. Like yeah, how totally. different would his career have been if that came out and was a hit and like Al could be known for the original songs on a mainstream level, the way that like the diehard fans know the original songs sure. on that same yeah. level. <laughs> like, well, it's, you know, it's so interesting. I feel like he, you know, it's, and this is what goes back to what, like what is Al? And I think what has given him this giant staying power is simply that he has a strong point of view. Yeah. Like anyone can say, like, it's a playground game, right? Like, it's like, all right, well, what's this song that I heard? You know, uh, my butt is full <laughs> of goo. My butt. Is, like, that's a parody, right? <laughs> of like, right? Of of of, of the George Harrison yeah, song. Yeah. I can make that as, <laughs> is that funny or interesting? No, it's like bass. Yeah. And I feel like that to me is what he always achieves a grander level on and, and and i think the people that just write it off as like oh he's the parody guy it's like well uh, hold on yeah because there is this larger thing that he's doing it i'm always amazed at somebody who can do something mainstream but also be uh subversive i think yeah. that's steve martin i think that that's I, th I do think that that's the smothers brothers no doubt that that's why steve martin wrote for the smothers yeah. brothers i mean you know when you even look back at like was there an, a, I remember reading an article that for Al TV, that the cartoon, the, not, not Al TV, the Weird Al show. Yeah. yeah. Like he was going to do a whole runner where he was going to play Luke Skywalker's like dumb brother. And they was going to insert himself into all the Star Wars movies. And George Lucas signed off on it. And Sir Al Guinness signed off on it. But Mark Hamill's the only one who didn't sign off on it. It's really like, interesting for Mark to be the one to say no. Wow. <laughs> I know. Well, look, different times, yeah, right? Sure, I mean, yeah, different, yeah. You know? Um, and, and by the way, Mark, it, it was amazing, uh, <laughs> in my experience, but you know, you never know who, who heard it or whatever mm -hmm. it was, but then you look a couple years later and that's what Billy Crystal's doing at the Academy Awards. And right. everyone's like, Oh my God, <laughs> Billy Crystal. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, and like weird Al, like, and that whole idea of like inserting yourself into things like that was, a, you know, that's a Robert Zemeckis Forrest Gump. I mean, different yeah. ideas, but it's like. He's he's like yeah rewriting history with the interviews and stuff. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I just think it's really like it, it, they're all the same. They're all the same in a weird way. It's like he's he's doing he's subverting something and kind of highlighting something. But I think it's also coming from comedy first, not just cheap a cheap laugh or a cheap gimmick. exactly. Like, well, I think it's a thought out idea. Yeah, yeah, and we've said before on this show how it's like the because of he's got the world of music and the world of comedy and he's so in tune with both of them it's just such an open space where he can do extremely subtle comedy which arguably this song is a, a subtle like say, this is a subtle piece of comedy that we're saying while we haven't talked about the song perfectly explains why this song why works. this song is so great absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. this is a real subtle track like again a kid is not going to fully appreciate the joke of this song and no, how because it's, it sounds 
if you play this song yeah. and you're not listening to it, I mean, look, the beat is great. And that, and look, we could all say that to Rudy, you know, Rudy Clark, <laughs> obviously giant songwriter, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like really good. And the song's know, produced like, by Jeff Lynn, who <laughs> crushed it. Like, this is just a wonderful, yeah. wonderful pop song. Yeah. And I think that that, like, that's the benefit of, I think also, as we're talking about this song, a great song, you don't listen to the lyrics. John Daly, exactly. one of my favorite guys, so funny what he's doing in kind of the parody space. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I would want to put him <laughs> in that thing. But he always jokes about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, look at the lyrics of Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers. They make <laughs> no sense. Yeah. No. But you but you like the beat, the song, and you're just like, oh, I like this. And when you really start to like pick it apart, it's nothing. It, there's no there's no bones there. And that's what I think this song is also doing it's saying there's nothing there's nothing that's here. exactly we all yes. like this song but there's nothing that's exactly here. what i was gonna yeah. say it's perfect because i'm the same way like i often i'm just such a sucker for a melody and production like you don't yeah. notice the lyrics um in uh the original version of this song apparently there are 42 unique words that george harrison used al's version has 99 wow <laughs> but there are only 42 actual words in the song but because it's such a bop you just don't notice it flies yeah. by it doesn't occur to you at all that it's so incredibly threadbare lyrically well, I think anyway that as as i you know i'm i like i am like you in the sense that i I'm pulled in by the music and then oftentimes someone will say, oh, like, that means this or that. Oh, and then when you really go for a deep dive, I'm like, oh yeah, I missed all that. Cause I, I'm just like, I like, I'm, I'm yeah. more connected to the totally. melody and stuff like totally. that. So it is, I do think that this is going back to the, the beginning. It's like, this is why this album is so, or this track is so interesting Yeah, because it is really, it's an encapsulation of a career in a song uh, you know, it kind of underlines everything that he's saying and doing. Totally. And, and, and I also think it answers why his stuff became hits as well. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it, for sure. You know, it, you know, it's, uh, it's really, it's really smart. I have this album. I don't, I, I, I have to like burn it because it's on CD mm. and it's Van Morrison. He had to cancel an album contract. Right. And so the only way you can cancel the album contract is recording like 65 original songs and he did it all in one session i know about um, this they album. all are about yeah. like yeah they're all about like 90 like they're about like 90 seconds to two and a half minutes long or whatever it is and they all are like my hat my hat i wear my hat i love my hat okay and like and so he like technically fulfilled his contract by doing like these songs yeah i always think about that too it's like like it's unreleasable, but yeah. it also is like, you know, it's like it like uh, you can go either way. Sure. With like how much you put into something or not. This is another song uh, like we like to talk about his recurring themes in his music. And Al also loves to poke fun at the intersection of art and commerce and the money yeah. that is in play. We talked about that to bring it back to our good friend uh, Mark Hamill. That's a joke he makes in Yoda as well about all the money oh, that yeah. gets involved in the making of these songs, like how much money is on the table in the making of this art. Um, and that is another thing that comes back more and more as it, as it goes along. But yeah, no, there's so much in this, again, uh, hilarious how much is baked into this song that is talking about how few words are in it. <laughs> and yet there's a tremendous amount of, uh, of underlying meaning in this track. And with the, you said 99 words are in the song? 99 unique words. Yeah. Yeah. 99 unique words. It's it, it, like, it just going back to that idea, like, he doesn't have to hit you over the head with mm -hmm. it. Like it's like, it's like, and also the repetition of it 
also does the job, totally. right? Like the repetition of it, like tells you the story. Mm-hmm. I just think this track is such an interesting one because it's the the progression of the song, like the song, the beat of the song could it could have been anything. Yeah, but I do think you're right in saying that like this album is talking about where music is in this at this point, mm-hmm. right? What is what is music? What are we listening to? Who's getting hits? Why are they getting hits? You know, the how, album like, is called even way. worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. And it's like, which obviously is a play on bad, but still, I mean, it's like, it's there. Yeah. But I mean, it's also, and then that's a funny thing too. The yeah. album is called bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know, true. it's like, uh, and I, and I think that there is something really interesting about like this idea that, you know, it like, I think this, I think maybe, and maybe I'm reading in too deeply, but to go back to the beginning, like we were saying, like if people's only introduction to George Harrison is this song, because there's a number and hit from George Harrison, mm-hmm. like what are they missing out on? How much are they missing yeah, out on? Totally, and, it, and I think totally. that like you, you see that with people who'd ever watch a Sean Connery bond or, you know, it's like, though well, that's in the past. And I think that we've increasingly with the internet and the amount of content that has gone out there, I have to say content, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you, you forget to go backwards. Yeah. It's rare to Absolutely. go back. La- the last time I saw Matt in person, we had a very lengthy conversation about like, I am, I am very much the laid back person who will let people live their life at their own pace. But one of the few things that truly gets under my skin as someone who works a lot with like high schoolers is people who have this idea of like, well, if it was made before I was born, then it's not worthwhile. And it right. is just the most it's, it's, it, it's almost like it hurts my soul because it's like part of my growth was my dad showing me something like Caddyshack, which was before my time, or like just being introduced to these things that even if they didn't age well, it helped me build this roadmap of the history of things and like the history of comedy and the evolution of this and learning to like look at like, wow, National Lampoon doesn't get nearly enough credit for how it completely, there is like this, it's it's like the Citizen Kane of comedy. There's this complete divide on what comedy was before National Lampoon came out and what it was after it, and it was like never the same after that moment. Like, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that like I always thank my dad for introducing me to the Marx Brothers. Yeah, right. Like because it's sort of like oh, like my attitude as a kid was it's black and white. I don't want exactly see a black yeah, and white yeah movie. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's funny. And like, I may not have watched the, tre- the Treasure of Sierra Madre with the same enthusiasm, but it's like, well, find that thing. I I know for me, I am always trying to introduce my kids to things. Like this past weekend, I brought them to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like I said, yeah, uh, thirty five millimeter, awesome at the uh, at the New Bev out here. Which, by the way, I have to say, was shocking because it looked so bad. Like I was like, like, yeah, like, uh, like it was, I I mean, I was having fun, but I was like, you can't see a goddamn thing. I came home and I, I I came home and was rewatching certain seasons. Like, oh, you can see faces here. Like, you know, it's like, it's all cut together, different piece. Like some scenes are really light. Some scenes are really dark. Oh, that's Um, funny. You know, but, uh, cause it's not a restored cut. It's just like, this is a 30. It's like, again, great to watch. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm always trying to find like. I don't want to like inundate them, but I want to walk them into things. Like I brought them, I showed them ET. They yeah. loved ET. Um, and I had this conversation um, with, not to name drop here, but uh, <laughs> with David Lowry, who is <laughs> yes. this amazing director, yes. did The Green Knight and, and so much great stuff. But we were talking about what these movies did for us as kids. And I think a lot of the things like, 
they did was they gave us an emotional base like et like I went, I cried. Yeah. I, there was trauma there. Goonies. Like I'm seeing kids put in danger. Like I'm afraid even things like home alone. Right. And we don't do that anymore. These kids movies, they're all kind of safe and sanitized yeah, yeah, yeah. in a weird way. Um, and convert then conversely, like the comedy was a little bit more, they were things that were like making us learn, like what's our comedic voice. What's this. And I think, you know, we have things like SpongeBob SquarePants or loud house or these cartoons that are like legitimately funny, but there's, for every two or three great comedy things, there's like 45 just crappy things. Throwaway no jokes. Offense yeah, to yeah, Paw yeah, Patrol, yeah, yeah. But it's like, <laughs> oh, it's not, they're not even trying. At least the Saturday morning cartoons, I could say like, oh, Scooby-Doo had like some energy to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, You know, um, I don't know. I, I it's, guess it's, it's sort of like It's weird to think this... of Paw Patrol coming out at the exact same time that something like Gravity Falls is coming out, right? Where it's oh, like, yeah. exactly. you could have like two bipolar opposites of a show of like what it invokes in you emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So true. And it's like, and that stuff I think messes up our kids because like Weirdo Yankovic is the, or the generation of people coming up, like where are their points of view coming from? Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you, my point of view is coming from watching, like watching Saturday Night Live, watching these things. It's like that, we're a little less sanitized or a little, you know, it's like, and, and I just feel like I'm watching my kids and I'm like, well, you're eight years old at eight years old. I was into all this other stuff and I was doing all this. And it's like, and I don't want to be like old man, like, oh, well, at my age, but I'm like, but I also just don't see them being exposed to things that are as challenging. So as a dad, I'm always trying to bring in things that are like, here, listen to Weird Al, like just find, find something that you find is funny. Like, let's like, let's, like scratch that itch because it's like if left to their own devices and everything in the now, they're not going to find it. It is. So I just had a friend over this weekend who brought their eight year old and I had never met their eight year old until they brought them over. I was having a, a bad horror movie night with a bunch of friends. Oh, fun. And they're like, he'll be fine. He's going to play on his switch. He might ask to watch some TV. So he did ask me to put on the TV. And what blew my mind was this eight year old wanted to watch Dragon Ball Super, not mm -hmm. not Dragon Ball Z. He wanted to watch Dragon Ball Super. Yep. And he did not want me to put the dubbed version on. He's like, I need to watch the, the original Japanese subtitles. Wow. Dragon Ball. And I'm like, Yo, this impressive. kid is wild. Yeah, yeah. that is amazing. <laughs> like, but that's what you want. Like, you want <laughs> oh, totally. Like, like, that's it. You want that weirdness. I think that like also like weirdness, nerdy, dumb or whatever it is, is like has changed because now like, there's a, a niche for everybody. Whatever you're into, like you'll find a huge community of people who are into it. And if they're not like you're not weird, like no one's weird anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like there's no there's no outside interest because every there's something for everybody, which is good and bad. I don't know. It's like, yeah, you know, it's true. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, there's I think a, there's a fortitude. There's a fortitude to feeling like an outcast you know yeah. like to feeling like oh i have this agreed this is my totally thing. agreed yeah. totally agreed yeah <laughs> well this was a phenomenal conversation for sure it's time however for us to do some quick rankings here we're gonna do some quick rankings really quick yes. before we do the rankings i just wanted to point out two quick things that i i, I didn't get to which is one is that i love that the name of this song is this song's just six words long, but clearly every chorus he sings, this song is just six words long, which makes seven words. Uh, uh, he's following the structure of George Harrison's, but I just love that little joke. Like even in the title, yeah. there's seven words. That's great. Just to go back to Al and George for one moment, there is a great clip. Uh, we can post it on our socials, map, but there is footage of Al performing at George Fest, a tribute to George Harrison in 2014. And Al gets on stage with Danny Harrison and uh, and this like all star band and sings what is life, and it is like oh, wow. tears move. It is beautiful. It is just Al doing a straight cover of uh, George Harrison's What Is Life. It is fantastic. So there's no wow. again talking about like 
how, again, I, I agree with you, Paul. I don't think this song is at all mean to George. It's more of a grander pop culture thing. But if there was any doubt about Al's George Harrison fandom, it's very clearly yeah. on display there. It, it's really very special to see. So I wanted to plug. And by the way, I, can I can I also say that I, I, ima- I imagine but maybe I'm wrong. I know they had to go to everybody to get their rights to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and the famously not getting prints to sign off yeah. and stuff. I imagine he had to go to George Harrison, right? I think he to would get have. this arrangement. Yeah, because yeah. there yeah, right? is a different uh, arrangement on this. Yeah, he would have. And funny enough, the one other little bit of post history, way, way, way back, the very first cease and desist Al ever got was when he did a parody of Taxman called Pac-Man, oh, wow. <laughs> which Dr. Demento played like three times before he got a cease and desist from the Beatles people. And they had to they had to cut oh, it wow. entirely. And is Al, this the only time that he successfully got an okay from the Beatles? Honestly, because hasn't he like any, famously been turned down by Paul? He got turned like down by Paul. I don't know if he ever tried anything by John, but yes, he did get turned down by Paul. For, he got turned down by Yoko. He, he had John. Him, he oh. wanted to do a "Free as a Bird" parody, but that was technically a John song. So Paul right. said that they were fine with it, but Yoko needed to sign off on it. Yes, and she gave him a no. And and Paul <laughs> said no to "Live and Let Die" turned into "Chicken Pot Pie." <laughs> Uh, um uh, but uh yeah so this i think you're right i well eventually he got the rights to pac-man and it came out on a compilation just a few years ago this very old recording of pac-man that he did when he was still like on a four track in his living room um (laughs) that was extra complicated because apparently he had to get permission from both the beatles and namco Wow. Who own Pac Man? <laughs> it was a very complicated <laughs> oh, situation. Hilarious. This is a Yoda situation. I know Yoda again. was another rights nightmare <laughs> for him. It took him years to get that. Anyway, yes, no, sorry. We we can definitely do uh, do our rankings now. Let's do it. Well, I, I, I will say that too. Like you know, um, that like that. I could imagine that George Harrison, from what I know of George Harrison, yeah, enjoyed the hell out of this. Oh song. yeah, like you know what I'm saying. It's like that's the other thing too. It's like like what George Harrison was doing was kind of doing what it's totally well, George was funding the money. Like Python two people movies parodying point, right? the same thing yeah. in different ways. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, like, that, like it's like, it's like, it's, it's super meta. Super you know? meta. And that, super yeah, meta. And I love that. Totally. Totally. <laughs> All right, Matt, real quick. Uh, yeah. I am dropping mine pretty high up here. Uh, I'm putting it in between like a surgeon and Ricky on the, best parodies list so far so right now that's in the four spot or the five spot at this point on the album okay cool and i'm gonna put mine yeah i'm ranking this high as well again this is like in terms of al's clever parodies and just the clever conceit of the parody this is one of the smartest songs he has done up until this point in his career i really think and in fact i'm gonna put it in between two of the heaviest hitters of al parodies that there are which is i'm going to put it right in between fat and eat it wow all right also in the top five uh now paul we sent you the the list here of every time we've had a guest they've been able to rank their pick against everyone else's guest pick right uh so you've got the list you can tell us a where you want to put this song is just six words long on that list and i'm yeah i well i've been looking at this list (laughs) yeah And I have to say <laughs> that, you know, it, it, it's a tricky thing to put. I, I think I'm really wrestling with, I'm going to put it in the third spot. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the third spot because I don't want to be too aggressive and, uh, and upset the apple cart. <laughs> uh, it's like one more minute and Yoda are the first two. Yeah. 
Although I don't know if I would put them in my, but I, well, I, but, you know, speaking yeah. of upsetting the apple cart, the other thing you get to do is if you would like to, is upset you can, the apple cart. You, is upset the <laughs> apple cart. You can take one song on this list and you can move it somewhere else if you think it's in the wrong place. If there's something you think is too high or too low and you want to shift something, it's like a little version of White Elephant our guests get to play. Well, you know, look, I'm looking at this list and I have to say, I, I mean, I got a lot of, I got a lot of personal issues. With this <laughs> guest Everybody does. Uh, Everybody does. Um, and I, I have to say that, you know, I, I, I wonder where it is, like the connection to certain things. Um, I famously, famously, um, <laughs> I mean, I got to tell Weird Al the story that I became a, my parents became born again Christians at one point, mm. and uh, Weird Al in 3D was an album that was on like the do not listen to oh, list for wow. our Nature church. Trail to Hell. <laughs> uh, and Nature Trail to Hell was that, yeah. that was the reason why. And I got to tell them that like my parents made me just throw out my Weird Al album. So wow. that time does have like a, a thing. I, I think what when you're when you're balancing originals and parodies, this to me feels like it encapsulates everything. I've put it in, I'm very happy to put it there. I kind of feel like, you know what? I'm going to say number two. I'm going to put in the number two above Yoda because I also think like Yoda is like, I don't know if Yoda is as much of an indictment of what he does. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I also don't feel like I'm that familiar with one more minute. I got to have to hear it. But all right, I'm going to take one off on here and uh, or move it down or around. I am going to, you know what? Because I told that story, I'm going to move up nature trail to hell a little bit yeah uh i'm gonna move it above christmas at ground zero good so call. i'm gonna get like i'm that. gonna get yeah i like that song and i think it's a fun uh weird one and i think that's like those are yeah yeah you know, i gotta it, it's it's a tough battle with these weird albums oh yeah because it's like oh i do like living with a hernia <laughs> should it be that high i don't know i i, I, I i'm wrestling with all yeah, of yeah yeah love it Love it. It's chaos over here. On yes, the, uh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's just what we wanted. <laughs> and Billy Joel to me is there. And it's like, oh, I, I know love that too. I know. It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. You know what? No, you know what? I can, you know what? I, I'm going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back. Oh. Uh, no, I'm not going to take it back. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. All right. All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. I know that there is probably a laundry list of stuff that you've got coming up. Uh, this episode is going to come out in the middle of April. Is there anything you want to plug that's that's on the horizon for our listeners? Yeah, to check out? you know what? I'll just I'll just say, uh, you know, I love conversations like this. And uh, if you have any interest in movies, good or bad, I have a podcast for either one. Uh, the good one I host with uh, Amy Nicholson, uh, who's a New York Times uh, film critic. It's called Unspooled. We get deep into what makes movies good, if they're good. And we'll go everywhere from like Magic Mike to Citizen Kane. It's there's no uh, there's no rhyme or reason. It's like what you know, we'll kind of dig into all of it. Uh, surprisingly, I'm not a big fan of Shawshank Redemption. So you can get, <laughs> a, get after me for that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's How Did This Get Made, which I co-host with Jason Manzoukas and June Diane Raphael, uh, where we just talk about the best of the worst uh, movies ever made. So you can find them wherever you get your podcast. They're both awesome. absolutely fantastic. I, I still think, I think How Did This Get Made is still the gold standard of comedy podcasts oh, in this so world. Nice to say it. So mm. it, we are honored it's... to have you, Paul. Thank you so much for the time. Thank Seriously. Ninety-one Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? 
Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.